0: Sitting in a diner or out in the street Catch up with the news, get your point of view I want to hear what unravels, I'll see you in my travels And good afternoon. Welcome to Travels with Charlie, your host, Charlie Papillo. Thanks to Billy Bratcher for uh, composing that song and singing it here for uh, Travels with Charlie. Great lineup for you today. I want to tell you all about that. Uh, Coming up, we've got uh, the 34th annual M&T Bank Vermont City Marathon. That's happening this Sunday in Burlington on the waterfront. We're going to be talking with Joe Connolly, the new executive director. He's going to fill us in on some changes and... Top runners that are going to be there. Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. And my first guest, you know, speaking of diners, I we were just talking about the the wayside, and <laughs> I was kind of hoping he'd bring a maple cream pie in, but he didn't. <laughs> my friend, Scott Milne from Milne Travel. Scott, good to see
1: you. Good to be here, Charlie. Thank you. Uh, the maple pie in your future, I can tell. Oh, uh, yeah, I think this is my second promise on that, so yeah. third time's a charm.
0: So, you know, Brady brought up just uh, before the break, uh, you know, an idea that, which I never thought of, but, you know, I'll ask you just before we get going here and talk some some serious issues, but... Memorial Day versus Thanksgiving. And I don't know why he chose Thanksgiving to, to debate with Memorial Day, but you know, it seems like Memorial Day, which is coming up. There's a lot of pluses there. When you think about Thanksgiving, it's cold weather. It's lots of leftovers. I'm not trying to lead you in any one way or another here, but uh, Memorial Day versus Thanksgiving for you, Scott.
1: As uh, a a human being or as somebody who's trying to get you to buy a vacation? Well, as a human being. (laughs) (laughs) Thanksgiving. Memorial Memorial Day obviously is, as a uh, citizen of our country, uh, obviously Memorial Day is a more important part of things, right? But as far as uh, a fun day to have, you know, see family you haven't seen in a while and do all that, I'm a Thanksgiving fan.
0: And you know, so often we, we lose sight of what memorial day is about you know you think about it's barbecue no it isn't it's memorial day and it honors uh, veterans those that have served and those that have given their lives and of course that is coming up this weekend we're going to talk more about that when joe Connolly joins us but let's talk with with scott about uh you know i immediately thought of you scott when i i heard maybe there's some hope and i know we touched on this last time you were in uh, but you know pete i'll just call him mayor pete because man that guy's got the (laughs) toughest last name pete Buttigieg who uh you know the transportation department secretary and brought up the uh, what the travelers bill of rights he brings this thing up again and uh you know airlines would have to provide compensation to cover meals hotels rebooking flights when airlines are this is the key point you need a lawyer here when airlines are deemed responsible for stranding passengers at an airport now don't they already do that to some degree scott
1: uh, great. If, if you're into googling and you know checking what Charlie and Scott are saying and comparing it to, uh, probably the best benchmark is the uh, the European Union has a Traveler Bill of Rights, which I think is maybe 15 years old, and uh, it essentially it tops out that if you have a delay of more than six hours and your flight is more than you know if it's a transatlantic flight, yeah. you get 500 euros. And it's a, it's a pretty good, uh, w- you know, we have folks that, you know, your flights, there's a mechanical problem and your flight's delayed. And you, you know, instead of getting home at four o'clock in the afternoon after a long day of flying, you're in at midnight or you mm. get home the next day and you have to get a hotel. Then you go, but there were four of us and we spent three grand on our tickets in the first place and now we're getting 2,400 bucks back. It makes you feel a little better. Yeah. It's a little bit of an arduous process to go through to do it. So first of all, if you travel to Europe and you have delays, Make sure you reach out to your travel advisor. We can help you find the information and, and you know, perhaps help you file claims. That's a good that's a good benchmark to look at. What I think the U.S. should do. The small print, Charlie, which you just pointed out, yeah. is is profound. Which is, if it's a weather delay, it's not their problem. Labor delays in Europe, obviously. I think yeah. that's perhaps a difference here. Yeah. If it's a labor delay, I think in the U.S. it might well, be. Well, I, I wouldn't
0: fault them if it's weather. I mean, that's really that's totally out of there, and and obviously. You don't want them doing something. Well, we're going to take off anyway because we don't want to give any refunds. And then, you know, something catastrophic happens. So weather's kind of off the table. But it's that whole issue of, and I don't know if it's a myth or not, but, you know, everyone says, well, they overbook. They do this. They do that. Uh, Those are things that are within their control. And if something happens, I get bumped, they should pay. Or if they uh, decide to change
1: their schedule two days ahead of time or they change it from a large aircraft to a smaller aircraft to do something else. Uh, mechanical delays should be in their um, uh, program in that Southwest uh, shutdown where you could argue they're not properly investing in technology to run a modern airline today. And, you know, folks were stranded all over the place. Oh, that was that huge. Have been yeah. An easy formula to say, you're going to get 600 bucks. If you think you, you uh, need more than that, let's talk. But right now it's sort of like a one-on-one negotiation where the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And it's not fair. It's inefficient for businesses. And Mike, Hope is that it's a, uh, and and just to take a step back, one very which is way inside baseball, but one very very interesting good thing that happened to airline travelers last week is there's this Northeast Alliance between American Airlines and JetBlue, which, in my uh, opinion, is a collusion pact mm-hmm. to jack fares up and you know figure out who's going to take this slot, who's going to take that route in the northeast between JetBlue and America perhaps leading to some sort of merger but where they might not get uh Department of Justice approval for a merger this sort of is a sheep in wolf's clothing kind of thing. Uh district court and and the and the Biden administration filed a uh, argument that it shouldn't go through uh through the Department of Justice. My personal opinion is it was just uh, going through the motions to make it look good but yeah. it got into federal court and i'm not sure if they argued it uh, exceptionally is why but the federal judge in boston ruled that it has to be canceled that it's uh, and you know both american and jet argument is this is going to save charlie papillo and scott milne and everybody else all kinds of money and it's not it's uh, probably it's not it's not, right? it's not it's a heavy uh, infrastructure tough business to get into yeah. to run an airline yeah and you know since the carter administration we're over 50 years almost 50 years now Rampant deregulation, which has been really good because it was too regulated and prices were fixed. But now we're coming into an era where you've got this machine learning, artificial Mm -hmm. intelligence, very sophisticated companies that just want to figure out who Charlie Papillo is. And how much money can we charge him and still get him to buy a ticket from
0: yeah. us? And, and let's be honest. Uh, Scott Milne, my guest, travel.com. if you have any questions, two four four seventeen seventy seven or one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. If this Bill of Rights were to be instituted and all of a sudden there, you know, you got to stay over somewhere. We're paying for a hotel. We're paying for a meal. We're going to pay cabs, uh, all kinds of money. Um, that doesn't just, you know, it automatically happen without you got to bring in some new revenue. So doesn't that mean they're going to figure that into ticket prices? So tickets are going to go up. So everyone's going, yeah, what a great idea. They're going to have to pay for my hotel. Well, you're going to pay for that ultimately, aren't you? Uh, I I think it it could come into higher ticket
1: prices or it could come into a calculation that an airline makes when it goes you know, who cares about Charlie Papillo? Let's put a 737 on that route and take the 767 off and send it here tomorrow. They go, well, that's going to cost us $80,000. You know, and so I, I think it will change the every action as a reaction. Yeah. Uh, I think if it's done intelligently and it's worked well in Europe, it's 17, 18 years old and it's it's worked well. I, I hope we don't tr- sort of try to reinvent the wheel and do something that's going to appeal to a – a certain voting block of travelers over another voting block and just sort of look at it like if you run a business or you're buying from a business, how can we use easy to implement and manage regulation to make things simple? If you look again at that European Traveler Bill of Rights, it's just got a grid on there. If you're flying over 2,000 miles or delays of this, here's what you get. You send in an application, you get the money. Yeah. Buy your own hotel and take care of
0: it. Is it just me? It seems like you know most of the friends and family that I know that, that, that travel – the, almost uh, every trip that they've been on, there's been some sort of a delay, whether it's, uh, you know, a few hours. And in some instances, even flight is canceled and it's done, you know, that day. It's like oh, canceled. Uh, and, you know, the next flight's tomorrow. Um Why is that? Is, are there still issues with labor, staffing? Uh, you know, we blame everything on the pandemic. The pandemic's over, but have have they got back to the levels where they were pre-pandemic with with pilots and the like
1: there's a lot there's a uh, I, I don't know the actual number charlie but i think it's a little bit of you know if something goes right you forget to tell anybody and if something goes wrong you tell 10 people yeah. so there there's a little bit of that in the mix and it was a, a horrible start to 2023 between a couple storms but we always yeah. have storms uh, labor problems uh, air transportation uh, You know, air air traffic controller shortages. Then you had this southwest meltdown and a couple other big technology issues where airports were shut down and things. So it has been a tough year. But my understanding, I don't have it at the tip of my fingers, but my understanding is if you look at the statistics of on-time flights, it's about the same now as it was in 2019. Going into the second quarter of 2023, first quarter was bad.
0: Don't the airlines play some kind of game though? With it, you know, you pull away from the gate, and that means that you've uh, you've left on time. (laughs) But you're you're sitting on the on the runway for three hours. Yeah,
1: and they pat as as you notice now. It used to be that it'd be a pretty legitimate. I was flying yesterday and and meeting some people, and I was supposed to land at twelve o four, and you know, wanted to have some time. And then we got in thirty five minutes early, and you know, so I find. Just as often as, and I fly with some frequency, just as often as I've seen late flights, I'd say three times as often I see flights that are getting in a half hour or more ahead of scheduled time because they pad that yes. time so their numbers yeah. are good because yeah. the numbers are more important. You know, You're right. Businesses do what they're incentivized. I, to do.
0: I always figure there's there's like a tailwind or something because you know you, they you, they always tell you how long the flight's going to take and then you get on the plane and the pilot always comes on almost every time and says, well, we've got a good tailwind today. We're going to be flying at 40,000 feet, and we're probably going to make up that time that we're sitting there. And he's right, you know. But then, of course, you land ahead of schedule but you're waiting for a place to unload, so you you yeah. can't get off the plane yeah there's always, you can't win <laughs> they're,
1: they're, it's funny with the uh the you know the climate change has a lot of uh associations yeah. right? so you know typically going west you get the tailwind transcontinental yeah and we we've had uh you know just talking to clients over uh, conversations three hours to Vegas yeah. six hours home from Vegas <laughs> yeah they're just going yeah. you know I, Thought I would just drink too much in Vegas, and I realized it was a six-hour flight, or you know whatever the story is.
0: We'd love to hear from you today if you have questions uh about travel, or you just you'd like to relate a story uh, that you you can uh, you know chime in here uh, that you've traveled recently and. You know, uh, what do you want to talk about? You know, the food was good in the airport, or you know, the it was lousy service, a great service. Two four four seventeen seventy seven or one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Scott Milne with Travel dot com. He'll answer all of your questions. Do you have a favorite airport uh, that you've you've been to? And when I say favorite, I mean you know you've had a layover there and you you know you stop, you get a meal. It's an interesting airport. Is there one that stands out for you?
1: Well, uh, there's a lot. It's a great question, right? There's a lot of awareness on the part of uh, local chamber of commerce and business organizations of the importance of a good airport. A lot of importance uh, from the big airlines about the importance of their airline, you know, their their primary connecting airports being good. So. Just to divert from your question, I was in Kennedy yesterday. I really wanted to get a look at some of the new terminals there. I, I was in Terminal 4, which is not rebuilt yet. But that's going to be a spectacular – As uh, the, I think the JetBlue terminal is already completed. As that airport uh, is completed over the next three years, that's going to be spectacular. LaGuardia is already a totally different place than it was three years ago, which yeah. is spectacular. Yeah. Probably my favorite airport just because, you know, it's got the exotic feel for it and it's uh, – so interesting is, uh, is, is being in Dubai, although the new airport in Istanbul is supposed to be spectacular. I was in Istanbul maybe three years ago, just before COVID. It was still the older airport, the new Istanbul airport, supposed to be COVID. You have Saudi Arabia, which is building a global airline right now and kind of trying to pivot from a fossil fuel-based economy to a tourism economy in part. So they're going to have a very formidable service airline and I would expect that, uh, you know, uh, airport in Riyadh is going to be actually, you know, yeah. the most spectacular airport yeah. on the planet in a few years, but we'll see mm-hmm. what happens with all that.
0: And you go where the money is. That's, uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what right. you get, right? Yeah. You know, I, I, I actually, I landed in Singapore, uh, on a that's trip great. to Thailand, yep. uh, and that was only because we were diverted oh, wow. and it was, um, we were there for a few hours. Yeah I I was it was like going into a museum mm-hmm. you know plants all over the place there was a butterfly garden there was a garden on the roof they had uh, food carts instead of you know the typical places where you go and get food and it was amazing of course there were also armed guards all walking around yeah. uh you know militia walking yeah. around you know you're a little you know concerned about what's going on here but Beautiful, just a beautiful, beautiful airport.
1: Kim, Kim Jong Il's person. People weren't looking for you. <laughs> no, no. You, did, you didn't look like his uh, ex brother, cousin, or whatever no, it was. No, it. no, not at all. That. Uh, that would be a bad day in Singapore, I think. Yes, it would.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> uh, Scott Milne, my guest. MilneTravel.com. If you want to find uh, more information, we're going to continue our conversation. And uh, as I mentioned, you can join us on phone line at two four four seventeen seventy seven or one eight seven seven two nine one eight two five five. Scott's looking at me because I haven't. Memorize the number yet, Scott? You know, I still want to do the old one. I can, I can do, I can just, I do that one in my sleep. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, summer travel season. That's coming up, of course. Uh, any best buys out there? Any deals going on? We'll find out. And you know, do you want to know about cruises? We'll talk about cruises and Disney and and even the bargain airlines. You know, anytime you talk about a bargain, there's always well, you know, sometimes you want to pay a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get into all of that. Straight ahead, right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. The waste and resource management industry is a complex, integrated system that many people and communities take for granted. Trash, recycling, compost, we're all familiar with the terms, but maybe not the truths behind the waste industry. Want to learn more? Beyond the Bin is a podcast by Casella which shines a light on what really happens to our waste and recycling. If you're interested in environmental sustainability and renewable resources, then check out this podcast. You'll learn about waste and recycling, meet members of the Casella team, and one episode even deals with beekeeping. Check it out online at www.casella.com forward slash beyond the bin. Oh, I can guess that. I could have guessed that one right at the beginning. The Boys of Summer Eagles. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Joining me in studio today, Scott Milne from milnetravel.com. I apologize, Scott. I, know, I, I should have let you guess it. Scott knew that one right away. He had it right away. <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: Thanks, thanks for saving me the embarrassment. <laughs> I knew it as soon as you said it, obviously.
0: Scott, <laughs> let's, um, let's talk about, uh, bargain airlines, uh, first. Because that's, you know, I've tried this a couple of times. I didn't go on them because you go on the site and, and you go, wow, that's a cheap ticket price. Uh, and then they start asking the questions like, how many bags do you have? Well, I got a carry-on. Well, you you got to pay for the carry-on. A jet blue, you don't pay for the carry-on. You got to pay for a carry-on. You want to choose your seat? Well, of course I do. I want an aisle seat. Well, it costs you to choose and it costs for the aisle seat. Now, this isn't an extra room seat. This is just the aisle seat. So, that bargain airline turned out to be, it's not a bargain. Are there any real bargain airlines out there?
1: Well, uh, it's, it's complicated, right? And I would argue, you know, uh, since uh, Milne Travel is a sponsor of your um, program, a yeah. uh, happy sponsor, and I'm here to represent our interests, I would argue it's, it's one of the benefits of using a professional travel advisor. So you can figure out whether it's an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. Uh, and the basic airlines were starting to lose business to people that didn't realize the difference. You know, we're losing seats to Frontier and Spirit and everybody. So they have basic economy fare. So you got to also be careful when you buy a ticket from a legacy airline that you're, if you want a cheap, uh, I don't get a bag. I don't get frequent flyer. I get zero money back. I can't even get a credit if I don't use it. Restrictions like that you want to understand. And if it makes sense for you, great. But more often than not, I think you get, there's a lot of people that know what they're doing and and are buying what they want and realize the strings. But I think a lot of people are going, why would I spend $300 with Delta when I can fly on Spirit for $200? Mm-hmm. Then they get back from Spirit and realize they spent 400 yeah. <laughs> Or, you know, and businesses. So, you know, we'll talk to consumers about basic economy with a Delta or an American, which, yeah. again, is no C, no baggage, no frequent flyer credit sometimes. yeah. yeah. The big thing is totally non-refundable, which is designed to make sure people don't just take the cheap ticket from a Spirit or a Frontier or somebody right. like that. And some people still uh, find that valuable. And if you're just getting on a plane and you're don't have a, you going back and forth to, for a day or you've got two houses and you're going back and forth and you don't need to carry baggage or it's a short flight. So we see a lot of people that find value in the Spirit Airlines. I would say in a macro sense, the um, uh, Spirit Airlines being uh, the uh, low-cost carriers the low cost carriers are great for consumers a low cost carrier will come into a market and lower fares the legacy carriers will match that fare right. you now they play really predator ball against them which again maybe yeah. falls into something that needs a little more regulation yeah. and um, so they're they're an important part of the ecosystem but not a part you want to be on when you are traveling in comfort <laughs>
0: <laughs> summer travel season versus the winter travel season. Mm-hmm. I would think, uh, you know, just from my point of view, that, that summer travel season isn't as busy as the winter travel season. Would that be right? Or?
1: That's right. Yeah. It, although it's it's much busier. It's much more leveled out now than it was 30 years ago. Uh, Caribbean kind of was dead in the winter. Now the you know the mm-hmm. nice places in the Caribbean are sold out all summer. Flights are full to the Caribbean and Florida in the summer, yeah. not just people coming north from there. Um, what we see is it coming out of COVID, as we talked about previously, there's just some capacity problems, there's labor problems. We still see hotels partly be it started, I think, as uh, we don't have the staffing and we're unsure how demand's going to come back. So let's leave half of our floors closed. Uh, and now, I think a lot of hotels are realizing we're better off charging twice as much money per room as we used to and leave half of the yeah. hotel closed yeah. for now. We're having trouble hiring people anyway. So there's a lot of um, uh, capacity problems. It's more expensive to travel this year than it's been any year sure. in your lifetime. Yeah. And uh, that doesn't look like it's going to change. It looks like it's going to continue
0: in that direction for a while. What are the popular destinations in the summer?
1: Uh, we see a lot, a lot, a lot of national parks, a lot of Europe. Europe, you know, uh, is, is extraordinarily busy and can be complicated. Best time to
0: go into Europe summer? Uh,
1: it's the most popular time to go. Yeah. Uh, I would argue, uh, shoulder seasons, fall and spring, uh, are, are bet- better, better is not a good, uh, descriptor to use with travel because all travel can be spectacular. Yeah. What's great about the summer is; it's nice and it's beautiful. But the downside is it's more expensive and it's crowded. Sure.
0: What about cruises? Have uh, they've really taken a hit uh, over the years? It seems like you know there's always some story about everybody's sick on the cruise ship, and uh, they seem to bounce back though. Oh, no, big time! Yeah, yeah,
1: I think I think uh, 60 days ago, if we were having this conversation, the deals were cruises, you know, because it took a while for people to. Get back and and now uh cruises are sold out and prices are prices are coming back very, Mm -hmm. very strongly. Europe is very good on cruise ships. Uh one uh you know, what's extraordinarily popular in the summer are river cruises. Yes. Uh whether you're you've been there a lot and you sort of just want a leisurely pace. Uh and you know, get to see a bunch of different things and don't have to, you know, be hopping on motor coaches or in and out of trains and cars and things like that. We see a lot of that. Also, if you're, you know, relatively new to Europe and you kind of just want to get a good feel for, you know, the vibe of Europe by traveling one of the so-called ancient highways of the uh of the continent,
0: the uh, the river cruise business is very strong in the summer. Disney is it um, any packages, any deals right now with Disney? It seems that, uh, you know, I talk with people and they say, you're not going to believe what you pay for a, a daily pass to go to Disney. And I'm thinking, man, how does a family of four do that?
1: Um, you know, it's about the same as trying to take a family of four to stow in the winter, right? I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a uh, – what we find with uh, – Disney is expensive yeah. and you can get – you know, without the Disney brand and the Disney experience, you can obviously get a lot more mileage for your money by doing some other. Whether it's uh, even uh, the Universal Sto- Studios you know, right. a- around the, in Florida is is less expensive and a similar experience, but the Disney brand you pay for. It. What we find, uh.
0: I always is, say we, we convince the kids that, that, you know, going to the great escape in New York was just as good.
1: <laughs> well, you know, my, my, my kids are a little bit older than yours, but we're the same genre, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Yeah. My,
0: we Get in the car. We're going for a trip, everybody. <laughs> yeah. We're going to the great escape.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I had a fun experience. I was, I, I, I was in Aruba. We have this long time relationship with a grocery distribution company and they bring their star owners from across uh, yeah. New England and, so we had uh, the family from Bangor, I think, that was coming, and they got stranded and had to you know, sleep at the uh, hotel you know, with all this rigmarole and got to the hotel at 1 in the morning and had to be back at the airport at 7 in the morning. And to your point about, about disruptions, and you know, I was talking to the 10-year-old in Aruba when they got there, and I was going, oh, sorry about that. He goes... Atlanta was so cool. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, so, you know, it, and and my my Disney tier, I, I remember, you know, we took our kids to Disney and then it was like 10 years. Every time we were getting on an airplane, it was like, why can't we go to Disney? Oh, man. And now, you know, maybe with grandkids, it'll be back. But I haven't heard a Disney request from the family And. A long
0: time. Yeah, Scott yeah. Milne, uh, my guest this afternoon on Travels with Charlie. Uh, Scott, so great to see you. Thank you for coming in today, specifically yep. being, here being here in here. studio yeah. with uh, with me. Thanks for your for your help, your sponsorship here of Travels with Charlie as well. It is very much appreciated. And we, we didn't even get into any politics or anything, talking the debt ceiling. But you know, I don't know if people really care, but it's it's sort of like in the background. You're,
1: yeah, go on vacation right? and
0: forget about it. Forget about it. it. <laughs> forget about it. Milntravel.com. What sort of things you got going on? Milntravel.com. Right now,
1: uh, a lot of uh, you know we're 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 recovering from the atrophy and uh, the, the losses. Frankly, we accumulated over COVID. Uh, it's just booming. You know, I was uh, you know thinking about you know so i have got a a new person in New Hampshire who's only been with us a few months, and we've got a uh, the Central European Tourism Office reached out over the weekend and said, hey, we got a spot on this uh, trip to. You know, you get a certification for Eastern Europe. You get a free trip for a week. Do you have somebody that wants to fill it? And so I sent out an email early this morning. I got the lady that's only been with us for a few months who goes, oh, I got a group of beekeepers that are going to Bratislava next year. This would be great.
0: (laughs) Beekeepers. And and that's the sort of thing. You know, we get the, uh, hey,
1: I got to go see Grandma. I want to go to Disney World. I want to go to Aruba. But then you get the uh, the stuff like that, you know, beekeepers to Bratislava. Or, you know, we do a lot of things with educational tourism with – you know, whether it's university and that's, or school groups. of
0: course, that season's coming up uh, with summertime, right? Now the students will be doing the uh,
1: – Well, we, we, we do a lot uh, in April and uh, May, frankly, with the high school students. We do a lot year-round with university students. And then over the summer, yeah, we have a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, yeah. southern uh, New England uh, prestigious universities where they've got people and interesting things people do and studying the uh, – the roots of, uh, you know, the civil rights Unit movement in the south where they're going into all these places where horrible things happened in yeah. the 60s. Yeah. And, you know, it's a fun part of being a travel advisor is to vicariously understand a lot of that stuff just by talking to the people that are organizing that. And so we're having a lot of fun with whatever we're doing.
0: Scott, good seeing you. Always a pleasure good to have you in studio yeah, with thanks, me. thanks, Scott Milne, milnetravel.com. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Before we do that, i uh, got some great news. I've been talking with, uh, with Adam at Myers Bagel Cafe in Burlington. As you know, their original spot, 377 Pine Street in Burlington, for Montreal-style, wood-fired, hand-rolled, Honey-boiled bagels, uh, delicious sandwiches, their own smoked meats, flavored cream cheeses, unbelievable pastries. Now, the new location has opened up on Shelburne Road in South Burlington. Uh, By the way, mail order is available. That's for bagels only. Mail order is available. But the new location on Shelburne Road, 408 Shelburne Road, and they're calling it Myers Wood Fired. It's always been wood-fired. If you haven't had a wood-fired bagel, you don't know the difference between wood-fired versus a regular oven. You don't know what you're missing. you got to get down to Meyer's Bagels and try their bagels. They are the best bagels in Burlington, bar none. Believe me, unbelievable bagels, really creative sandwiches. their smoked brisket, uh, the McMeyer with a smashed fingerlin' potato, Swiss cheese, pickles, and coleslaw. I'm starving now just talking about it, but... They're going to be doing wood-fired pizza, and Adam just gave me uh, the details just moments ago. Mid to end of June, they're going to be starting it up on Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays only. Wood-fired pizza at Myers Wood-Fired Bagels Pizza and libations. In South Burlington, that's 408 Shelburne Road in South Burlington. Myers Bagels at hotmail.com. If you want to get in touch with them, if you're looking for a job, they need some help. And uh, they're open from six to two daily in South Burlington, 408 Shelburne Road in South Burlington. Myers Wood Fired on Facebook and Instagram. Myers Bagels. BTV. Coming up next, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. And we'll talk with Joe Connolly with the Vermont City Marathon all straight ahead right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. When I'm on the road, I don't have to look very far for a place to fill my gas tank or my belly. Jolly convenience stores with over 40 locations to choose from makes it easy. Fuel for your car, fresh-made sandwiches, soft drinks, hot coffee, pastries, friendly service, and even creamies. Jolly Convenience Stores supports your community by sponsoring events, veteran organizations, and more. That's why I support them, and you should, too. Stop in today. Jolly Convenience Stores, home of the Daily Smile. Welcome back, Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me, your host, Charlie Papillo. And on the phone line with me, Jeff Weld, the Director of Communications with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Good afternoon, Jeff, and thank you for joining us here on Travels with Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Thanks for having me. So Jeff, this is something I think is a very important topic because uh, so many there's so much discussion now about going EV you know electric vehicle, uh, so many things that are electric charge. I just actually I, I borrowed a lawnmower just the other day which is electric uh, and all of these things are using lithium batteries and you know so more widespread use continuing to grow. The batteries don't last forever. Uh, when it's time to dispose of it, what do you do? you know we're seeing a lot of improper disposal. We've even seen some, some, uh, you know, some fires because of these things. So, what should people do with them?
2: Yeah, that's a, uh, a great topic, a timely topic for sure. Um, given as you mentioned, um, the uptick that we're seeing, right? These lithium batteries, they're outstanding. They're, the performance is high. Everybody's got a cell phone, laptop, these new power banks, you know, toys, your power tools. They all have them. Um, What we're seeing is when people, you know, put them in with their recycling or their trash as a regular item, um, when they get compressed and when they get uh, under certain conditions, they combust and and cause fires and and puts our people uh, and the public in in a pretty difficult situation, a dangerous situation could happen on a truck could happen uh, at a recycling facility, could happen at a landfill. Um, So we're really, really encouraging people to, uh, you know, go check out call2recycle.org. That's call the number 2, recycle.org. And you just type in your zip code, and it lists um, where you can bring these batteries um, without throwing them in your trash. It's free return service. There's over 100 of them. Throughout the state of Vermont, um, they really, I cannot stress this enough, do not belong in your recyclables or your trash mm. on trash day.
0: Jeff, do they recycle them? Do they have a, another life? I mean, are you able to use them and bring them back to life again, or is it something that has to be disposed of? Do you know?
2: It, yeah, there is a there is a process. So all these drop-off locations, all the manufacturers are part of a program. Um, and And here in Vermont, you know, a lot of our, uh, solid waste districts, our, our transfer stations, they, they are all a drop off site. Places like Home Depot, Staples, they'll all have a drop off site. And those are all through the manufacturers and they get sent back to the manufacturer and what can be recycled is recycled and what, what can't be is, is properly, uh, disposed of,
0: uh, in a safe manner. Are we going to see an issue with, you know, there's so many EVs, you know, electric vehicles now that they're using these, they're not using the little battery. I mean, that's like a, a whole deck of batteries on, on the underside. Um, is that going to present a problem in the future, Jeff? Do you think?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't think we're going to see, you know, th- those size batteries end up in mixed in with municipal recycling and things like that. But obviously anytime you have. Um, something that has an end life, um, which is virtually everything that we use at this point. You know, we want to make sure that people are disposing of them properly. Um, and manufacture of these materials and, and batteries and things like that, there is a process in place. Uh, EVs are no different. Um, you know, there's a process in place of, by which to properly dispose of these materials, and you know, just encouraging people to be aware that. Um, You know, these batteries are in virtually everything. Anything that you're using that's rechargeable, portable, making your life easier, if it gets thrown in with your trash and recycling, um, it certainly doesn't make our life easier and make everybody's life a bit more dangerous.
0: So, Jeff Weld with the Casella Waste Sustainability Spotlight. Uh, Speaking about batteries, um, let's – you know, what about the A's, the C's, the D's? These batteries – what should consumers do with those when they're not uh, when when they're through using them jeff
2: yeah any t- any kind of primary or what you know what we consider a single use battery same thing right those are available to drop off you know free of charge at, at your transfer station you know keep them keep them on hand uh, you know at my house uh, we we sort of tape the end so they don't You know, cause an initial spark, but um, it's probably a little bit overkill. You just sort of keep them in a place where next time you're headed out to the transfer station, drop them off at the battery place and they'll take care of them for you.
0: Makes sense. Great advice. And if you have any questions, of course. Call to the number two, call to recycle.org. You can find out where you can drop off any of these lithium batteries that you might have in a tool or your kid's car or whatever. Call to recycle.org. And for more information, as always, or if you're looking to, to, uh, rent a, a, dumpster this time of year, you're doing a little spring cleaning, Casella.com. Jeff Well, Director of Communications at Casella Waste with the Sustainability Spotlight. Happy Memorial Day weekend, Jeff. And thanks for joining us here on Travels with Charlie.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The weather certainly uh, certainly speaks to a nice Memorial Day weekend on the horizon, so I'm looking forward to
0: it. That it Thanks, does. Gary. Thanks, Jeff. And coming up, we're going to talk about what's happening this Memorial Day weekend in Burlington with Joe Connolly. Vermont City Marathon happening this Sunday. All that is straight ahead right here on Travels with Charlie, WDEV. Whether you're traveling for a vacation, planning a business trip, or have a global company looking for a strong Vermont-based company to align with for business and meeting management, Milne Travel is a trusted local partner, and they've been one since 1975. Milne Travel is one of the top travel companies based in New England. Featuring educational tours, vacation travel, or corporate solutions, let their travel specialists search the lowest airfares exclusive to the travel industry for you. Guaranteed. We're all getting ready to travel again. Save time and money on your next trip. Go to www.MillTravel.com. Welcome back. Travels with Charlie. Thanks for joining me. Your host, Charlie Papillo, here on WDEV. And coming up this weekend, it is the 34th annual m and Bank Vermont City Marathon happening Sunday, Waterfront Park in Burlington, and joining me on phone line, the executive director, Joe Connolly. Joe, good afternoon. Thanks for joining me here on Travels with Charlie.
3: Charlie, like the song says, all right now. <laughs> hey, you got it. Thanks <laughs> nice be well, with you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on today.
0: Yeah, my, my pleasure. So, Joe, uh, you know, exciting time of year. Uh, of course, uh, you know, the race is coming up. And uh, this isn't your first race, but your first as executive director. How are you holding out?
3: Oh, you don't even want to know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, it's,
3: uh, it's been quite a ride here, and uh, I'm just blown away, um, like, every day. I was for a while saying every week, but it's really every day at uh, what, you know, Peter Delaney, my pre- predecessor, was able to get done, and uh, Andreas Asino before that. I uh, was fortunate enough to spend a lot of years working with both of those people. And, um, wow, uh, that, it's been quite an education uh, over the last, uh, you know, 11 months, and um, especially so the the whole cycle here. I'm, I'm good at producing races. I've been doing that for a long time. Yeah. It's all the other stuff that uh, – is, uh, is super fresh for me, um, but uh, yeah, uh, we're ready for a good race, and uh, and away we go.
0: Well, you had some great mentors uh, to work with over the years, uh, Joe, and. Uh, you know, you could have made it easy and just said, okay, we're doing everything like we did last year. But no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Every year, you know, you got to have some change. you got some changes. And I want to talk with you about that because uh, one of them is actually a, a pretty big one, the, the hand cycles and push rims. Uh, it's going to be a half marathon only for them this year. Now, now, why are you doing that?
3: Well, I don't know that I would say only because they're going to be ripping it up out there. And it's going to be a super uh, competitive race, no question about that. Okay. But what we found last year, um, we, and, you know, for decades now, the, um, the wheelchair racers that are at the VCM are incredibly fast, just super athletes. Um, and uh, it's gotten down to where their winning times for um, the 26, full 26.2 are in the, you know, hour 25 range, maybe a little bit faster some years. That's right around 20 miles an hour for the whole course up the hills, down the hills, yep. on the flats, all the turns and everything. Um, and um, uh, so last year, the, with our new two-loop course um, that, we, that we started um, fall 2021 for the Vermont City Marathon half and put into play last year, which is sort of a necessity at this point coming out of COVID with, um, you know, we're a little challenged on the volunteer side of things, and so we don't want to overextend what we can produce and end up producing a lousy race. Um, you know, it's always been about a quality experience for the runners, for the community, um, and all that. And so, because of that, we're on a two-loop course um, for last year, for this year, most likely for next year. You know, after that, uh, hopefully things have rebounded and we can consider um, our traditional course. But what happens is the fast wheelchairs um, end up coming up on the slower runners. Um, at around, On the second loop for the wheelchairs, first loop for the runners – at around uh, mile 3 to 4 for the runners, which is about mile 16 to 17 for the wheelchairs. Um, that's a very narrow part of the course. Um, it's, it's from Hula back to downtown pretty much, and there just isn't enough room um, for everybody to coexist. Um, if we were on streets, it would be great. Yep. Other races that are two loops on streets, it works fine. Um, we just don't have the width to put on the kind of race um we want to put on for the wheelchair crowd. So um we talked with them after last year's race um, you know what's what's our best way to give you a quality race experience that um you know you're you, you want to be here and you want to be doing and you can put on your best race. And we kind of arrived at well let's just try single loop path marathon. Um, we do that. Uh we're not coming up behind um the the slower runners and Um, You know, we can battle it out right down to the finish. And um, so, yeah, that was, um, I thought that was a great solution for something to try. I don't know if we'll keep doing it that way but yeah.
0: we're going to try it well that's one thing that's always been great too with uh with run vermont uh, joe is that y- you know y- you would try things uh you know in a previous year and see how it works out and uh you know this is going to be in that same situation there's going to be some stiff competition i know on the women's side with the 2016 18 and 21 champ returning uh devon murphy and uh You've got the runner-up, Edie Perkins, uh, the executive director of the Kelly Brush Foundation. She's coming back. And, of course, on, on the men's side, last year's champion, Eric Corbett returns uh, challenged by four-time champion Patrick Standon. Boy, there's a name that I've, I've called across yeah. the finish line many times.
3: Yeah, uh, Patrick uh, just means a ton to us, uh, being a part of the race year after year. I don't even know how many finishes. It's got to be coming up on twenty for him. Mm. Um, I, I got to say, um, oh boy, I'm going to have to check this one out. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's the rock out there. He um, you know helps us with coordination of this, and um, he spreads the word. Um, his um, Northeast Disabled Athletic Association they do year round um, sports programming uh, for um, the handic- uh, handicap race community, and it's just awesome uh, that he's a part of what we do. Um, and, yeah, so um, I, I know he's really psyched to race half-marathon out there. Um, I know uh, some of them are... Um, uh, we also have uh, Jordan Riddell. Um, uh, sorry, not Jordan Riddell, Um Jordan, oh my gosh. You got me here. I'm oh. blanking on last names. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a uh, former, uh, former champ runner up here. I don't have the numbers in front of me. So, yeah, we've got like three... Super fast guys and a few other guys that can hang out there, and that's going to be um, really exciting. The Van Murphy's um, had a lot of success here, and and Edie was was tough last year, yeah. um, you know, hanging in behind um, um, Alicia Dana um, when she, who, and, uh, U.S. Paralympian and soda um, you know, to hang in that race was uh, was quite a show. Um, so, yeah, really, really excited to have uh, that group now. Now, we are giving um, any uh, wheelchair racers who want to do a marathon, they can still do one. Um, we, um, you know, we it's a bucket list item. It's a marathon. Sure. You know. So we know some yeah. people that's really what they're looking for. And, you know, so we have talked to that group and given them the opportunity. We're going to do prizes and awards, the prize money that'll be for the half marathon but any who want to race Great. full yep that's fine too and we do have two entered um in the full and um um you know, they'll um so they'll be doing two loops of the course.
0: Fantastic. Jo Joe Connolly with me this afternoon on Travels of Charlie, executive director of the M and T Bank Vermont City Marathon, coming your way this Sunday. Waterfront Park, seven o'clock for the runners, seven fourteen for the hand cyclists. Let's talk about the invited runners uh on the men's and women's side. Uh and first um there's a lot of talk about some some record times this year. Yeah. and that's because of some course changes, Joe.
3: Um, no, uh, not so much. It's because the field is simple. And I just want to correct, I think you said 7 o'clock start. Um, it's actually a 7.15 start for the runners this year, 7.14 wheelchair. Oh, okay. I'm sorry.
0: runners. And that's uh, important for me because I need to be there to call them off. So, <laughs> exactly. so thank you for correcting me now and not Sunday morning.
3: Yeah, we'll be shaking you going. It's time. <laughs> it's time, Charlie. Um, yeah, we, uh, fantastic field. Um Longtime friend of mine, Greg McGowan, has uh moved into my role as invited runner coordinator, um, and he's just done such a fantastic job with, um, you know, contacting athletes and, um, you know, getting them here. Um, so yeah, we, I, I, I will uh, not be surprised at all. In fact, I'll be surprised if I'm not writing bonus checks this year. Two thirty-five oh two for the women is our record. Two seventeen oh three is our men's record. Um, we've got two women entered who have run. Uh, faster than that. Uh Megan Critchin, um at two twenty nine last fall. Wow. Um, it's our first uh women's entrant yeah. we've ever had who's been a, who's got a tub, uh, sub sub two thirty on a resume. And wow. then um Amanda Phillips who's from Oregon um went two thirty three high um last uh December out in uh in California. Um but yeah besides them Rachel Shulkowski uh won here in twenty nineteen. She's super tough and um you know, we probably have—I'm going to say—at least four or five other women who um, have a, a pretty good chance of reaching the 2:37 standard, which is which gets you in the, into the Olympic trials. Yeah,
0: and in fact, this this Megan that you mentioned, uh, she's run under 2:35 four times just in the last seven months, and she just completed uh, the Boston Marathon at 2:32:46. So. Pretty yeah, good chance, uh, right? Yeah. And uh, she'll be here along with uh, a number of other runners aiming for the 2024 Olympic Trials standard of uh, 237. So that's very important yep. to hit that number. Right. On, on the men's side, uh, Joe, let's talk about that. And defending champion uh, 2019 and Masters record holder Sergio Reyes is back, yeah. along with uh, last year's third-place winner, Ryan Jera.
3: Yeah, yeah, super psyched um to have Sergio here. Sergio's um sponsored by Hoka shoes, which is one of our big sponsors and so that's uh you know kind of how we've been able to I think um he made the initial connection and then we've sort of established it with um you know well it's just a great look um and I know Hoka likes ha- likes having him here um it's, as does, you know MNT Bank and you got somebody who's um just such a classy guy yeah. and former US national champion um back in 2010 and a heck of a competitor. Um, you know, obviously, uh master's course record last year, um, I think low 219 maybe, um, mid-219, something like that. Yeah, so that's really cool. And then uh Ryan Jara from Maine, who um, ran a nine-minute PR here last year. Hang on one sec. Can I just take that out? And then um, yeah, I mean behind it Louis Serafini is a heck of a talent. Louis's from the uh Schenectady, New York area, um, younger guy, uh two fourteen in December. Um, and he's got some serious wheels, um, and has had you know, anything from five K up, uh really. Louis' uh Louis is super tough. Um, he got a he's got a couple of wins in my old favorite one one of my old favorite races, which is the um, stockade and thon Schenectady, fall 15K. Um, yeah, and then um, uh, Connor Rocket and uh, Ryan Eiler, and um, those guys are all running fast these days. The, the new shoes are fast, that's for sure, and everybody's psyched, and they're training hard. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited. Sean McDonald's back, local kid who, kid, yeah, mid-20s now. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I remember him, you know, when he was juniors around here, <laughs> um, but I'm psyched to have him back in the field. Um, you know, local legend John Stanton Getty's on the master side. Uh, this is a super fun group.
0: Well, a good group trying to break the two eighteen for the twenty twenty four Olympic trials uh, again. Yep. Uh, Uh, this Sunday at Waterfront Park, and that's, again, that's the start and finish. Everything is at Waterfront Park. Let's talk about that weekend because it's not just Sunday. It's the entire weekend. Friday, you know, the runners come into town. They pick up their bibs. You've got the Sports and Fitness Expo. Saturday with the kids races. And then of course Sunday with the marathon. Let's, let's start off with Friday. First thing, uh, what's going on Friday besides the, you know, this, you know, what's happening at that Sports and Fitness Expo?
3: Yeah, sure, that's up at the Doubletree. Um and um, yeah, it's a bib pickup for all our runners and um, a mini uh, uh, kid runners for Saturday's mini marathon. Um, they can get bibs up there too. Um, we'll have um, a hall full of exhibitors, um, uh stuff for running stuff for sale, um, stuff that the general public would be interested in. Um, so yeah, I would say um, you know if you're looking for something to do on Friday, Head over to um, head over to the Double Tree and take a walk through. It's free admission, um, and uh, you know you never know what's going to catch your eye, and uh, um, you know maybe there's some marathon merchandise, sure. marathings. Um, our friends at National Running Center do a nice job with uh, with all our stuff there. Um, but, yeah, Ski Rack's in, Hoka uh, will have a big um, uh, big display, and I am totally not up on all our exhibitors.
0: So all right. I'm well, sorry, I don't it,
3: know the rest of the list.
0: It's always packed, and, uh, you know, it's yeah. a great uh, great way to start the weekend. And if you're into running, you're into sports and fitness, it's a, a wonderful event to check out at the Doubletree. Uh, volunteers, always an integral part of the marathon, and give you an opportunity to, to thank them and thank your sponsors. But, of course, if somebody wants to volunteer, is there still time, Joe?
3: Yeah 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 oh for sure yeah and um um yeah definitely a lot of positions needed um we we pick up so many volunteers um race week people who oh I'm going to be in town now and yeah, that would be a cool way to get involved um that's how I got started a million years ago um with you know this whole racing thing was just volunteering at events and um and getting involved and sure uh, runvermont.org is our website runvermont uh dot .org and vermont is spelled out and um We've got a tab right up top that'll lead you to the volunteer section. I think it's called Get Involved, um, and you know you can see all the jobs that are um, that we're looking to fill some space. I all know, right. you know, course monitors. Um, all yep. the sections of our course are looking for some people. And um, Saturday for setup at waterfront uh, could definitely use right. help. And The expo and all that.
0: Yeah, and and of course, thanks to M and T Bank for you know getting this race and uh, you know sponsoring this race, and you've got many other sponsors. Give you a chance to give a shout out to them, Joe.
3: Oh my gosh, I don't have my list in front of me. Actually, I do have my list in front of me here. uh Shoot, but I'm hiding. I'm hiding too much stuff on my
0: desk. Well, first and foremost, M and T Bank. This race would not happen without M and T Bank.
3: Uh, and it's not just um, the financial support with them. They have a lot of employees that help us out. They help us with the marketing of the race, the, um, the media stuff. Uh, yeah, that's they're just so huge for us. Um, and, um, yeah, we've got a couple years left on our on our sponsorship with them, and hopefully we'll get a renewal. That would be really nice to hear, um, but we'll deal with that afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, Hoka Shoes, uh, Mick Goulter and Farrell Distributing are a big help for us.
2: Ski uh, performance-
3: Rack. A ski rack. Yep, ski rack. Kidney Drugs. Performance Foods. Um, all these, all these folks are helping us out in different ways. Um, the UVM Med Center provides a lot of supplies and a lot of folks for us. Uh, JM and m Accounting, NBC5, Dealer.com. Uh, we've got the Dealer Mile down on Pine Street uh, and then Global Foundries. And then uh, last but not least, Cliff Barr came on. All there.
0: right, good stuff. Joe, uh, yeah. great uh, talking with you. I will see you Sunday morning. I'll be on time. Travels with Charlie, we're back with you on June 12th. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us here on WDEV.